0: I uh, had a somewhat of a revelation this morning because I forgot, first time in seven years, I forgot my entire book bag at home. So I didn't have iPad, computer, or anything. But I instituted this practice recently where I make sure to email my notes and my slides to Drew or somebody. That way I can at least have a record of it in my phone or their computer. So I was able to print it off today. But here, here's the revelation part. I was looking at it, and realize, I think I may need glasses. Um, because with my computer and my iPad, I can automatically magnify. With paper, it ain't doing it. So um, we're going to do the best we can this morning, because I I couldn't go to the eye doctor that quickly. And so um, here we go, paper and. Uh you know, glasses and all of that stuff. So but the Lord is kind and He is helpful. Um we have any new visitors this morning? If you're a first-time visitor, go ahead and raise your hand for us this morning. Don't be shy. Alright, we got one, two, three, four. Now we got a lot of visitors. So glad to have you. Welcome to church this morning. If you'd please keep your hand up. We want to put a little something in your hand just to say thank you for choosing to worship with us and just to let you know how happy we are that you came. Here this morning, we've got two in the front here, and thank you so much, Jana, for handing these out for us. God bless you. We pray that you we pray that, that you um, are blessed. We've got one more here, Jenna. Oh, it's an empty bag. <laughs> OK. <laughs> we'll get your bag with something in it real quickly. Um, Jenna is doing a fantastic job. Thank you so much. But we just want to say welcome. Thank you so much for choosing to worship with us today. Um, we pray that you are um, blessed and have been blessed by something that has been said or sung, that you felt welcome here and, and that Lord will speak to you through the sermon this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord for you. Um, I don't, we're continuing with Bible study this Wednesday, six o'clock. There wasn't a slide. Right? I didn't miss it, did I? OK, so there wasn't a slide, but we continue. You are welcome to join us. Uh, today, I actually set out the books. We're going through the book Romans for Everybody by N.T. Wright, and I have a few in the back. If you'd like to join us, feel free to grab a book. It's $10. If you have it to help cover the cost, do not worry about it. If you don't, it's all good. We, we got it covered by the goodness of God. And so we'd love to have you here. That's We start at 6 p.m. We have pizza and, and stuff, and then we, we um, transition about 6.20, 6.30 to studying the Bible together, and then the youth goes downstairs, the children go downstairs, and um, we just have a good time together. Amen? Amen. we well, praise the Lord. And so today we're going to be looking at um, Second Timothy. And we're going to be in Second Timothy for a while, for several for several weeks. So um, it's a blessing to be able to actually go through an entire book to kind of see how God speaks to us kind of um, in a cohesive way throughout the Bible, particularly reading through an entire book. As a matter of fact, it's usually suggested that when you get to the letters, especially the smaller ones like the pastoral epistles, which would be first and second, Timothy and Titus, it's suggested that you read them all in one sitting. Because um, it's helpful for you to be able to see kind of the development of thought through the entire letter. Um, if you haven't done that, it's a good idea to do that. But it's good for us to be able to go through the whole letter together for the same reason. So we will come, we will come from Second Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. And one of the things I want us to see in this particular letter is that Timothy is experiencing a lot of the very same things that we experience today, particularly as it pertains to challenges to our faith. And challenges to serving um, in a ministry and I don't know if you're anything like me but whenever I find that people in the Bible so long ago experienced challenges so similar to what we experience today I'm usually amazed right but what I think that um, tells us is one that the Word of God is timeless right I think it tells that but it also tells us that humanity hasn't really gotten all that far (laughs) right um it, it's kind of the same stuff the same issues the same things that we think are such hot topics and novel are the same things that they were dealing with back then and so it's a blessing to know that god's word continues to guide us and help us in that way so i want us to see that today and this is the main idea i want us to get from this passage which pops up here on the screen um the main idea i want us to take from this today this is somewhat of a long one today but it's believers persevere in the faith by recalling the perseverance of other saints using the gifts that God has given them or given us, and guarding the truth of the gospel. Okay, that's what I want us to get from this text. We're going to go through each of those, particularly today, as we go through this sermon. And so I'm going to read 2 Timothy 1, verses 1 through 14, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll jump in. You can turn in your Bible, or you can just follow along on the screen up here. And so it begins, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That is why I am, I am suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame because I know whom I have believed and am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as a pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you and guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And this is the word of the Lord. Please pray with me, friends. Dear God, I do thank you so much for this. New Sunday, Lord's Day, we got to come together and and, um, sing songs of praise to your name. I thank you for the encouragement it is to just hear the voices of the saints bellowing bellowing out about your goodness and your kindness. And of course, God, I am just grateful for your goodness and kindness towards us. Lord, I just pray that you would be kind to us as I endeavor to preach Your word that what you want to say to your people would come forth with clarity and conviction for your people. And I pray that every person that hears with every person that hears your word would accomplish exactly what you sent it forth to accomplish this morning. What's helpful to say, may it be said, Holy Spirit, and what's not, let it not be said. Keep heresy and everything that is not helpful far from my lips this morning and also keep it far from our hearts and our ears and our minds. May your name be glorified. We give you the honor and the glory and the praise because indeed you are worthy. In Jesus name. Amen. And amen. Now, uh, when we read Paul's uh, letters to Timothy, which there are two of them, this first Timothy and second Timothy, we realize pretty quickly that Timothy was a man that was prone to discouragement. This is why so much of Paul's words to Timothy and his writings to Timothy are geared towards Timothy leaning into his calling. Right. Not giving up on the faith, standing up for the faith, not being ashamed of Paul um, and and of the gospel. And it's likely that Timothy struggled with feeling discouraged, um, feeling discouraged about the faith, about his calling and about his mission. But this is for good reason. This is for good reason, because Timothy had a lot of things to fight against personally. Timothy was a very young man, a very young man for someone fulfilling a pastoral role. You see, by the time that Paul is writing these these letters to Timothy, it's about 30 years after Jesus's earthly life. And what this means is that the apostles, including Paul, those men who were leading the church, they were at the very least in their early 50s, but it's more likely that they were in their 60s and 70s. And so for Timothy to be kind of dwelling in their ranks made him the young buck, right? The, the, the whippersnapper of the group, if you will, among these giants of the faith. The second thing about Timothy is that he came from a mixed heritage, a mixed race, if you will. His mother was a Jewish believer and his father was a Greek who was likely not a believer. And this meant that he was he wasn't Jewish enough to be readily accepted by the Jews, yet he wasn't Greek enough to be readily accepted by the Greeks or the Gentiles. Third thing about Timothy is that he was a disciple of Paul who himself at this point was in prison. Paul at this point was essentially a convicted felon. That's what we would say today. Hence, The reason why Paul clarifies that he himself isn't ashamed of his own imprisonment in the hopes that Timothy wouldn't be ashamed either. And just to help you understand what this would be like, um, imagine if Drew, our pastor, imagine if he was imprisoned for some reason, even even a very good reason, a noble reason. And now imagine that it was all over the news that this local Atlanta pastor was put in jail it's likely that they're not going to go into the fact that it was noble or anything. They're just going to say he broke the law, he's in prison, right? Now add to this that I still went around saying that Drew is my brother, that he's my mentor, that he's my colleague in the ministry. And although I may be able to explain that Drew was in prison for good reasons, folks initially, and maybe even continually, would be looking at me kind of crazy, Because here I am, a pastor, saying that a convicted felon is my mentor. That I'm following in the footsteps of this man. And this is what Timothy had to deal with since Paul was locked up for sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and refusing to stop. And lastly, Timothy had to contend with opponents of the gospel There were people who were vehemently against what Paul taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. And by consequence, they were opposed to what Timothy was teaching as well. And so it's against this whole backdrop that Paul writes the passage that we just read to Timothy, urging him to not give up in the ministry and urging him to hold fast to the correct or sound teaching that he's received from Paul, his mentor. I bet many of you are struggling to get past seeing Drew in jail right now. Y'all are like, what, what would that be like? I promise you he would probably have the neatest little cell in the corner there. The little cell. Pictures of the Braves. And I don't know. I, I don't know. Just thinking about it. But this is what Timothy had to deal with. And so Paul is urging Timothy, don't give up. And another thing to consider about this letter, that 2 Timothy is likely the last letter that Paul writes to anybody. And essentially, it's his deathbed letter because what we learn is that right after, soon after this letter, that Paul is hauled off and beheaded for continuing to preach this gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul writes this letter with incredible urgency because he knows that his protege needs this kind of encouragement in order to persevere after Paul is gone. Because with all that Timothy is up against, it would make sense that he would be discouraged and that he would likely think about giving up. And friends, this is what I want us to hear about this backdrop against which Paul is writing this letter and Timothy is experiencing. Being a Christian, brothers and sisters, a follower of Christ, standing for truth serving in the ministry is not that much easier today than it was for Timothy now I will say this and I'm grateful for it there's not a whole lot of beheading going on here in America for this stuff and I'm grateful for it but it doesn't mean that it ain't coming but outside of that it's not a whole lot easier And if you're living and serving faithfully in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, then here's a fact. You're facing some kind of opposition. You're facing some kind of challenge. okay? be it personally, relationally, professionally, whatever. And if you are not facing some kind of opposition, it may be worthwhile to ask the question, are you really living and serving faithfully in the kingdom? And if you have not already felt like giving up, brothers and sisters, keep on living, keep on serving, and I promise you that at some point you will. At some point you will feel like giving up. But Paul here tells Timothy three things in order to help him, to keep him keeping on, even as the old saints used to say, to keep him keeping on. And the first thing he tells them is, Paul tells Timothy this, he says, recall the faithfulness of other saints. Recall the faithfulness of other saints. Hebrews chapter 11, another book in in the New Testament, is is called the Hall of Faith. And in that chapter, the writer of Hebrews lists several important figures who are known for their faithfulness to God, particularly under pretty challenging circumstances. The writer writes that not only were their circumstances difficult as they persevered through them, but also they didn't even get to see or experience the fruit of their faithfulness on this side of heaven. And the purpose for this writing was to encourage faith in a group of Christians who themselves were facing difficult circumstances surrounding their faith and who were themselves likely to be tempted to give up. And this is the same reason why Paul lists Timothy's uh, mother and grandmother. Paul wants Timothy to to recall that these women, women whom he admired and trusted, that they persevered in the faith, the very same faith that they had passed on to him. The hope is that by recalling their faith and their teaching and their perseverance, Timothy would be encouraged to persevere in his own faith. And friends, this is the benefit of community, of being a part of godly and faithful community. Because sometimes, brothers and sisters, it is not our faith, but the faith of others that keeps us pressing on. I remember when I was in Bible college, all of us, to some degree or another, went through something of a a dark night of the soul where we questioned whether our faith was real or whether all of this stuff was even worth it however one of the things we all learned during that time during that season in our life is when we were struggling the most it was helpful for us to know that we had friends who were or had been struggling and somehow find a, found a way to persevere I learned, brothers and sisters, that sometimes it's helpful to ask someone else to pray for you because, unfortunately, sometimes you find yourself so discouraged and so low that you can't find the words to pray for yourself. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you just got to pick up the prayer book or you just got to pick up the Psalms or you just have to recall that old prayer that grandma or grandpa or mom or dad used to pray because you just can't find the words to pray for yourself friends if you are struggling to persevere in your faith right now know that you are not alone cling to the community of faith find encouragement in the perseverance of your brothers and sisters who are facing similar challenges And so the first thing Paul tells them in persevering is, hey, recall the faithfulness of other saints. The second thing he tells them is this. He says, fan the flames of your gifts. Don't let your gifts go to waste. Recently, I learned about this prevalent illness that a lot of people are dealing with. It's called imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is defined as the persistent inability... To believe that one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's own efforts or skills. Now, I'm going to I'm going to tweak this a little bit for, for the saints, for those of the, those of us in the church. And I'm going to say imposter syndrome as it pertains to living the Christian life and serving faithfully is the inability to believe that God can or will or has done anything of significance through you in your life. Should I go? I should post that Christian imposter syndrome. I'm going to go ahead and do that. But does anybody here struggle with that issue? Raise your hand if, if you struggle with that. I definitely struggle with this. It's actually something that I pray about, that I'm praying about regularly. And it's pretty apparent that this was an issue for Timothy. And as I said before, it makes sense because Timothy was dealing with a lot, a lot of challenge, a lot of opposition, One thing that I didn't mention earlier is that it's also believed that Timothy struggled with persistent um, stomach ailments, stomach illness. We know this because Paul actually mentions it in first Timothy, chapter five, verse 23. So add to all of this, Timothy's own physical ailing or physical limitations. It was hard for Timothy to believe that God would do anything through his little life as great as he had done through Paul and these other apostles that he was serving alongside of. But Paul knew. Paul knew that Timothy was called to serve. And Paul reminds Timothy that Paul's hands have been laid on him. In other words, as a sent one from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as an apostolos, one of those called out to establish the church, Paul was reminding Timothy that, hey, you may not believe it right now, but look back on when I, the apostolos, the one called of God, laid my hands on you. Timothy, this is your calling. And Timothy had to believe this. And he had to get busy serving. Friends, it's easy to doubt yourself. It's easy to doubt ourselves. It's easy to believe that God can't do something through us. It's easy to remember all too well who we used to be the ways that we've messed up, or even the ways that we are messing up right this moment. It's easy for us to rest in the fact that we have deficiencies. Maybe we're like Moses who had a speech impediment. But I want you to think about this. Look what he did. Maybe we're like David who had some pretty huge skeletons in his closet, but look what he did. Maybe you're like Peter who denied Jesus and had something of a filthy mouth, but look what he did. Maybe you're like Paul who persecuted the church and tried his best to destroy the Christian faith. But brothers and sisters, look what he did. Let me help you by telling you this morning, friends, that God only uses broken, sinful, and messed up people. Because get this, that's all he got. That's all he has. I want you to think of the greatest, most faithful, most gifted Christian you know. And think about this. They got problems too. They got problems too. If my Bible is correct, and I'd like to think that it is, Romans chapter 3, verse 23 reads that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That person that you're thinking about doesn't have anything on anybody else except that God had a mission for them and they stepped up to it. That's it. And I want you to hear this. If you're here this morning and you love Jesus and you're loved by Jesus, then he has a mission for you, too. He has a calling for you, too. And no, it may not be in front of millions of people. No, it may not make millions of dollars. But I'll tell you this. If God called you to it, then it matters. And you need only worry yourself about if God is pleased with your service. Friends, we have to stop looking at others and what they're doing and what God is doing through them. We have to. Comparison is the thief of joy. Imposter syndrome is real, but we have to remind ourselves that God values each of us, and he has gifted us to serve, and he is not comparing us to anyone else. The only question he has for us is this. Are you being faithful to what God has called you to? And that's it. That is it. Fan that gift into flame. Get busy serving because your service is important to our church and your service is important to the kingdom. There is something missing when you choose to not use your gift. Get busy serving. And the last thing that Paul tells Timothy and us is this he says guard the deposit of the gospel guard the deposit of the sound teaching you've received of the lord jesus christ i've mentioned this several times but over the past couple years or more like the past four or five years i've had a lot of friends become really angry with the church big c church (laughs) and little c church and honestly a lot of the reasons they've been angry are valid They are valid. Some terrible things have come to light about the church and her history that a lot of folks didn't know about, and understandably it made them, and it made a lot of us, angry. Amen? Amen? Things like racism, and bigotry, and sexism, and classism, and the ways that all of these things have actually been a part of the very fabric of the church, particularly the American church, since its inception. It, it can make you almost literally sick when you read and learn about these things. Unfortunately for a lot of my friends, this season has led to them adopting beliefs that either contradict or modify biblical teaching in order to better answer for the hurt that's been caused by their church leaders and their churches and to better accommodate those who are hurt. But my question has always been, with all that messed up people have done, why are we rejecting the Bible? Why are we rejecting the Bible when the Bible is the very document that condemns the very actions of the very people who hurt us and made us angry? Remember, brothers and sisters, that these people, those people, are but flesh, very broken, very flawed, their actions do not define God, nor the words of God. A while ago, I was asked to consider a pamphlet um, that was a defense of the Christianity, the faithfulness of American slave owners in Antebellum South, um, written by a prominent uh, pastor in, in um, the Midwest. His name is Doug Wilson. Um, he wrote, he wrote the pamphlet in, in tandem with another guy, um, Steve, Steve Wilkins, somebody tell me his name. Wilkins, something like that. Um, but he wrote, he wrote the book in tandem with this guy who was a known white supremacist. He was actually a chairman on the board of the League of the South. And, um, they wrote this pamphlet as a defense. Now, I took one look at this pamphlet that my friend sent me and I was livid. Livid that my friend assumed that somehow this man's arguments were valid. And for this man himself, assuming that they were valid. And I don't say this to my credit. I don't say this to my credit. I say this in a hope that brothers and sisters who are struggling can understand. I did not reject the faith when I encountered this man and his racist ideologies. I didn't reject the faith and I definitely, definitely didn't reject Jesus because of it. No, because friends, my Bible and my Jesus fundamentally condemns what happened with Africans in America. Fundamentally. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16 reads clear as day. Anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death, whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. Listen, friends, nobody signed up for a slave cruise in Africa. Nobody signed up. They were kidnapped. You know what? Case closed. No need for any more pamphlets or anything else. The pamphlet is very short. I'm a right one. I'm a writer. It. It's going to say Exodus 21:16. Amen. Now, here's the thing, friends. A lot of my friends who got hurt, who rejected Jesus, rejected the scriptures, they have stumbled on some pretty convincing and clear arguments against the scriptures. And unfortunately, they are all in on them. All the way in. They've read the books, they know the counter-arguments, and they are standing firm in that stuff. And Timothy had to contend with similar people and similar issues. Not necessarily issues of being hurt, but issues of just finding things that they thought were much better than the truth. People were coming up with all kinds of arguments against what Paul and the apostles taught about Jesus and the Christian faith. Convincing arguments. Arguments that were actually leading people away from biblical truth. And when Paul tells Timothy in verse 14, when he says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, Paul is saying, hey... I know there are all kinds of arguments and attacks that are coming against the teaching that you receive from me. And that I receive from the scriptures. But Timothy, your call is to guard it. Guard the good deposit. Guard the sound teaching. Defend it from those attacks. And it's so interesting when you look at the original language because that word translated as guard is a word that's difficult to translate, and it actually means to be sleepless. Be sleepless. Essentially, don't sleep on those attacks, Timothy. Don't sleep on that stuff coming to discount this truth. Don't give in to them. Fight for the truth you have believed. Fight for the truth you have received. And friends, I think that it's going to become easier And easier to just go with the flow of alternate teachings and doctrines out there. And it's going to become harder and harder to guard and stand for truth according to the scriptures. Because more studies are going to come out, right? More science is going to be revealed. More philosophical and metaphysical definitions of being or existing are going to be readily accepted, and it is going to be daunting to contend for the truth. And not just with other people. It's going to be a struggle internally, with our own faith and our own trust in the Scriptures. But this is where the gift of Holy Spirit comes in. When we come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. And Jesus tells us that he leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit will preserve our faith. He will help us contend for the truth. He will guard the deposit in us. So we need not fear. Not only do we need not fear, we don't need to know every single issue that's out there. we don't need to know every single issue, though it's helpful for us to be aware of them. We don't have to have the most eloquent language or rebuttals to the science and the philosophies out there. We just need Jesus. We just need Jesus. And Jesus is enough. We don't need to know all the big words and all the arguments. We just need to know our Bibles. And that is enough, because friends, hear this. It's not big words. It's not deep philosophies. It's not even great sermons that save people. It's Jesus. Jesus saves people. What's more, none of that stuff keeps us believing and trusting in truth and guarding the good deposit. It's the Holy Spirit that does that. It's the Holy Spirit. So friends... I want to encourage you this morning to persevere. Persevere. Recall the faithfulness of the saints who have gone before you. Recall the faithfulness of the saints that remain in your community. Fan into flame the gifts that God has given you. And do not let them go to waste, for they are indeed valuable. And guard the good deposit that God has placed in you through the help of Holy Spirit himself. Amen. And I want to close by saying this, brothers and sisters, with all that I've said about people giving up the scriptures and adopting other ideologies, even modifications to the Bible and the person of Jesus himself. Keep this in mind. The Bible is the only place where we find a Jesus who lived, died and resurrected for our redemption. There is no other place you're going to find that story preserved. And if we lose the Bible, we lose that Jesus. If we forfeit the Bible, we forfeit that Jesus. And that Jesus is the only means of our salvation. He is the only means of our salvation. And friends, that's what all of this is about. That Jesus and that story. That he has come. That he lived the life we could not live. That he died the death that we should have died. And that he is resurrected to a newness of life that he invites us to take part in only through faith. That is the story. And when we lose the Bible, we lose that. And friends, that's all we need. That's what we need. That's what we need. And so in a moment, Drew will lead, Pastor Drew will lead us in communion. And friends, the reason we take communion every Sunday is because every Sunday we want to be reminded of that story. Not only do we want to be reminded, every Sunday we want to take part in that story. Every Sunday we want to consume that story. Every day we want that story to be made a little bit more a part of us. And so, in a moment, Pastor Drew will lead us, but if you'll please pray with me. And I just want to say, whether this is your first Sunday being with us, if you believe that story, you are invited and welcome to take communion with us today. Dear Lord, I do thank you so much for this Sunday. I thank you for your mercy to be with us. Thank you for your word. And I'm just praying for your mercy and grace. Through all the things that we are going through, that you would grant us your comfort. You would grant us your peace, but abo- and above all, Lord, and with all—not above all, with all, Lord—that you would grant us perseverance. We love and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Amen, Pastor Mack. As we head towards the communion table, if you connected uh, with. The challenges and the comforts of that sermon, um, especially just the the call to persevere. Life is incredibly hard for so many of us, Um, and whether you're in a beautiful season right now, I know you've had difficult seasons or they're coming down the road, and we are called to persevere, and one of the ways that... One of the, the strengths that the Lord has given us is through taking communion week in and week out. And we don't pretend to know, be able to explain exactly what happens in this sacrament. We do know that we come to participate and partake and be nourished by it. So if you are in need of encouragement and perseverance this morning, please come ready to receive, it, receive from the table. Take a moment now to silently confess sin, and then we will confess sin together with the prayer on the screen.